long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jinn could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that gas, the Met Jar Jar and Boss Nass. We took a bongo from the scene and we went to feed to see the Queen. We all wound up on tattooing. That's where we found this boy. Hey, oh, and hey oh now. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 30. And if you're already having a decent morning, afternoon, or evening, or a pretty good break time, lunch time, or commute time, Hopefully, it's going to get a little bit better because you've tuned in to a comic book podcast where I review comic books, talk about comic books, and all other whatever nerd stuff pops into my little brain. And if you already do so, thank you. But if you don't, please follow us at Sunspots Comics on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you wouldn't mind so, hit us up with a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps out, carries some much-needed weight to the spreading of the love of Sunspots Comics. And uh, before we jump into the show, I just wanted a quick announcement about uh, announcement, announcement number two about Zombie Destroyers. Mr. Jordan Hudson, which you can, the artist that's doing Zombie Destroyers, you can follow him on Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. And he is uh, working on the four core characters for the Zombie Destroyer comic book to have six pages done by hopefully early January. And very soon we'll be posting some work in progress to Zombie Destroyers. So, of course, tune in to sunspotscomics.com and zombiedestroyers.com and all the Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see the work in progress of the up-and-coming zombiedestroyers.com. Brought to you by myself, writing, doing the writing duties, and uh, Jordan Hudson doing the art duties. We're just all kinds of duties. So let's jump in and uh, get right into the show. We have some fun stuff to cover. It was just recently Thanksgiving. I've got two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. I have one dip into the world of artificial intelligence. And then I jump into the meat and potatoes, which is reviewing a whole bunch of comic books and making some recommendations to you. So let's jump in and away we go. So starting out, everyone just uh, hopefully you all had a good Thanksgiving. I most definitely did. So I have to say uh, what I'm thankful for briefly most importantly, my wife, Patsy, and who's been very supportive, and all my family and friends for their support on Sunspots Comics, but also to you fans, to listeners, to artists that jump in my, right into my head, artist writers like Jordan Hudson and Dave Baker of the actionhospital.com. Check that out. And all the mailbaggers that have written in. You know who you are. Uh, like Michael Norris, who's been on the podcast a couple of times as a, a guest uh, host even, and to even like my wife who's done the guest announcing on, on one, and to even mention my son Justin, who was uh, in an early podcast as well. And I just wanted to, to just thank everyone and just express how thankful I am for all, the, all of you uh, for your support and your love and your help, because you all have 
helped and supported in your own way. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And I hope that all of you had a, a good Thanksgiving with you and yours and got to spend some time with family. I think ultimately that's what about what it's all about. And then, of course, unbuckling, allowing for massive quantity of food and the eating of a delicious dead bird. But anyway... Um, let's jump right into the two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. And the first uh, story, I'm just going to jump and roll right into the... It's from independent.co.uk. And it's titled, The Lancaster University Offers a Doctorate in Comic Books. Very, very cool. French graphic novelist, critic, and Tintin expert Benoit Peters will take up the pioneering professor role for the next summer. So this is pretty cool that you can actually, if you're in the UK, you can study to have a doctorate in comic books. I never thought I'd see the day, but I couldn't be more proud, and it really made me feel warm and fuzzy because it's an art media that's being taken seriously all over the world. Looks like the UK is going to be starting it, but the US, I'm sure is already probably looking into this and also implementing it, as it says here in this article. And, of course, for all my comic book feel-good factoid freebies, I will share the links on all the social media so you can read them a little more in-depth. But that is something that just made uh, me feel pretty good and think, wow, it's being, uh, it's, looking, it's being looked at. Comic books are being looked at as a respectable art form of media, and it's nice that it's getting that spotlight and getting some love in that direction. So thank you, Lancaster University. And the second and final comic book feel-good factoid freebie is from geekdad.com. And it says it's reviewing a book called Cape Spandex Briefcase, Leadership Lessons from Superheroes. So it's a book I want to definitely check out. It uh, I'll read the first little blurb here. It says, It's been said geeks rule the world. It's euphemistic sentiment laced with truth. Maybe it's our obsessive enthusiasm or dashing good looks. I'm not sure, but I'm sure that geeks occupy many leadership roles in our world. And I'm one of them, in fact, as a geek. I'm obsessively enthusiastic about my effectiveness as a leader. So that's the general gist of what the book is about. So I got I to gotta definitely take a look. It, it talks about um, and teaches uh, wisdom through geekdoms, kindred icons, comic books, superheroes, etc. So it's sort of taking its interesting little look on how the world of superheroes can be implemented into regular life, into a regular business life. And I think that's an interesting take, very unique. So it's a book I'll be checking out for sure. Looks like it's coming out very soon. No official date, but very soon to be released. So very, very cool. Those are the two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. Hope you liked them. And next we're stepping in, stepping into the world of artificial intelligence. Let's take a peek in there and see what's happening in the world of AI. This one is from csmonitor.com. Cyborg Rose, the beginning of a cyborg plant era. Nice. So it's got a, a diagram of a of a rose here that is looks like it's probably programmed to destroy us. But scientists have created a kind of cyborg flower. Uh, living roses with tiny electronic circuits threaded through their vascular systems. Roses are difficult enough to touch and to cut without just stabbing your own fingers. Now they want to put electronic brains into them? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, right? Um, so it looks like they're even tweaking the plant's behavior, uh, trying to find out a way that rose bushes, barks, leaves, the petals, etc., 
can connect to other plants even through their distinctive root systems uh yeah this all sounds like a great idea yeah let's let's find out how a plant that already stabs us uh, what'll happen when we put a brain and cybernetic implants in it great idea science just keep doing what you're doing <laughs> So that is the one article that dips into the world of artificial intelligence. Pretty good. Now, let's jump into the meat and potatoes, my favorite part of the show, which is my recommendations and reviews of comic books for the new comic book day, November 25th. I pick my favorites. I read them constantly, read them two or three times. I like to warn everyone, of course, spoiler alert, I do review them. I try not to give away every single detail, but I do go over some spoilers, so be warned. But I'm trying to ultimately get you and inspire you to going into a local comic book shop, buying these on paper, and supporting the comic book industry, which is what I'm all about. And this week's art winner and cover winner was Nicola Scott. She's an amazing artist doing Black Magic. And Black Magic number two was the art cover and art winner of the week. Her work is fantastic. And I will point it out on Instagram soon. And you can also follow Nicola Scott. I'll give the link there. Uh, her art is amazing. Uh, it's black and white, but the shading element that she has there is just out of this world. And she's an Australian artist that's been doing it for a long time. So she's a veteran. She knows what she's doing. And it must take her forever to release these comics. Black Magic must have must have been a couple years in the making. Because if you really look at the work, it's painstakingly beautiful. And uh, hard to do with just black and white, right? So that's the art cover and the art winner, artist winner of the week. And this week also there were three new number ones. Two of which made the top picks. Uh, Ringside and Venom, which I'll get into. There was a new Vertigo, Vertigo number one named Jacked. It didn't make the top picks, but I definitely will pick up number two. Jacked is a story about how this guy is trying to battle um, mediocrity and having sort of a midlife crisis and decides to buy some drugs online that give him superhero-like powers but send him in kind of a strange acid trip. So weird. Was right on the verge of being really, really good, but I will check out number two. So it didn't quite, that number one didn't make, but two out of three of the number ones making the top picks because this week there were 18 comic books that I read and six of them made it to the top pick favorites of the week for new comic book day, November 25th. So let's just, uh, all that uh, there, let's jump right in. So coming in at number six was Ringside by Image Comics. Ringside number one, from written by Joe Keating, and uh, art by the artist, fantastic and clean, and has kind of a southern bastard kind of look. Uh, looks like Nick Barber. And I really thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed this as a glimpse into the, the world of, like, wrestling. Uh, like a kind of a story of the World Wrestling Federation and what sort of happens behind the scenes uh, to this main character who is kind of retired or has a falling out with the wrestling industry and what how his life is sort of after. He is in Japan um, training some other wrestlers and he has to help a buddy out back in America, back in the States named Ted that's gotten into some trouble. They haven't completely discussed yet in this comic. Um related to the the wrestling industry and it shows that he's kind of a little a little bit down on his luck he was 
this champion named the Minotaur. And even I thought it was hilarious how his friend wants to just use the Minotaur logo and brand and images to help him sell to make to help the main character make some money selling bail bonds. And our main character says, yeah, he doesn't have the rights to the Minotaur at all, so he cannot do that. He must cease and desist. You know, the buddy's heart's in the right place, but he doesn't own that uh, Minotaur character that he used to be. So there's flashbacks of it, of this of the glory days, as the way it's it's so beautifully artistically drawn here by Mr. Nick Barber. And it also shows a, a kind of a rookie wrestler and how our main character has to explain to him how the world truly is and gives him some advice on things to prepare for because the world of wrestling will end quite quickly and you'll be left with nothing is his advice so he has to make it back to the states to help this friend out and it looks like there are some some goons involved in whatever ted is mixed up in and mr minotaur has to step up his uh, game here to help his buddy out so interesting writing i thought great character development it really makes you kind of feel sorry for mr minotaur is what i'm going to call him because he's a little bit down on his luck but he's also they, they do a good job of of making him definitely have that he's this loyal person to his friends and he's going to he's going to have his buddies back so i'm going to check that out ringside i will continue to collect it's added to the pull list immediately and the number five uh, pick of the week is from DC Comics, DKIII, <laughs> Dark Knight th 3, The Master Race, book one, uh, written by Frank Miller. I mean, Mr. 300 himself, Mr. Dark Knight 1 and 2 and now 3. I was hoping he would uh, have done the art on this, but he did not. Although he does this strange little mini comic, in this the Atom number one, he does the art on that. That's where we see that... Superman cover that has some controversy that you might be looking at Superman's package on the cover um, I don't think I think it's probably just ruffling, but I don't know who knows it's Frank Miller But the middle mini Adam comic in the middle is kind of cool and Adam Kubert He does a fantastic job of sort of staying within the realm of Frank Miller's look and It seems like it was a very long time since Dark Knight 2 came out I don't remember the exact year, but I've, I've kind of completely forgot it I remember one being amazing and awesome two being like eh, it's okay So three is is kind of for me has a, a low expectation. And I think that's why it kind of delivered for me um, it, It's a little bit all over the place in the world that it's creating um, You know with all the DC continuity craziness going on. It's like who cares you have to just sort of not think about where Batman is now or what's happening in Superman or is Wonder Woman this and that you have to just sort of drop all continuity concerns because this is painting kind of a whole different world where the commissioner is this young woman who I'm, I think she was the young woman as commissioner in Dark Knight uh, 1 and 2 uh, wearing <laughs> hilariously padded 80s style long coat with the shoulder pads um, which is hilarious I think my mom still from time to time wears those Sorry, Mom. But, um, <laughs> they made me laugh immediately. Then you're introduced to the Wonder Woman who has a, a young baby strapped onto her back, and she fights a very Minotaur-looking anthropomorphic bad guy that who knows what they're doing, but she's trying to destroy stuff, so Wonder Woman has to step into play and beat the Minotaur. Nice little fisticuffed action. And then she takes a moment to breastfeed her baby, because at first you're thinking, okay, maybe it's not her baby, but, okay, yeah, she's, uh... It's right there. They, she's breastfeeding her baby, and 
So uh, you just don't know is 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 the baby Superman's or the baby's is the baby's Batman. You don't really know, and then boom, you're splashed into looks like uh, Kara, Supergirl. I think her name is Kara in this. Not quite sure. You know how I am with names, but she's checking out the Fortress of Solitude that's abandoned and Superman's frozen. So there's just a lot of world building here. You got the introduction of Kandor. And maybe that's what the Atom is going to do to enlarge Cantor, and that could be the the master race as to why it's called that, or maybe it's the child that's either Superman's or Batman's that Wonder Woman's carrying. So it definitely is a good start. Um, it's a, to me, it's a lot going on. It's making me think about maybe I gotta go back and read DKI and DKII. So I'm in. I've added it to the pull list. That is why it's my number five. And number four from Marvel Comics, Venom, Space Knight number one, from Robbie Thompson on writing and artist Ariel Olivetti. And I have to say, hats off to the artwork of the artist Ariel Olivetti. Beautiful work. Very finished, very polished, very Rockwellian, just gorgeously finished in color and in art. Looks amazing. And it's just... I'm glad I read the little intro blurb because it does establish that Venom is a sort of space cop. Um, he even references that he doesn't know exactly what uh, it is when uh, he's his Clintar. They name his Venom suit. The symbiote is a Clintar suit, which is nuts, right? I mean, we just thought it was the symbiote, but apparently not. So that's interesting. Maybe they've referenced that before. I don't really remember if the, if the symbiote suit was called a a Clintar. But it says that the Clintar suit, symbiote suit, has been purified on its home planet, so it's no longer angry, I guess, and trying to kill Peter Parker. Interesting. I don't know where that actually happened in the Marvel continuity. I'm just going to not worry about that. Because it was a fun space romp, and he is trying to find his place. He joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, which they just say he joined. So I didn't know you can just kind of do that. I thought it was the Guardians of the Galaxy is mostly, you know, their closeness, their family, their their bond. But he's in there. But anyway, it's Flash Thompson with, a, you know, sort of a new suit. And he is uh, trying to find out who the smuggler that was trying to buy this crazy chemical that can easily blow up things. And in doing so, he finds that the chemical is within the blood of this this alien little family. So things turn there to where he has to now not just take the chemical, their people. So it just twists his his mission into saving this small family of people. And he runs into these crazy looking alien beings, which are awesomely drawn with like eight eyes. I have to say these weird pink aliens, super muscular, very well drawn, gorgeously finished. And it's uh, it's just a whole lot of fun. The suit looks great. I love the way the new Venom suit looks. Uh, I guess so. Some people don't think so, but I just I think the lines are interesting, and the suit looks symmetrically appealing. And I like the ridges on the face. It has again that kind of Kylo Ren-looking mask uh, look. The rigid lines. It looks like his face actually looks like Batman Returns. His abs. It's sort of armor-esque looking, but but muscular lines. Just a, a fun space romp. I enjoyed it. I, I liked it from beginning to end. I read it so quickly. I read it again. And the art is gorgeous. Uh, way to go, Ariel Olivetti. A definite purchase. Add it to your poll. Check out. I hope it stays good. And that's why it's my number four. And my number three. Top three now. 
Uh, these are all so good. These top three, just, just go and buy them immediately. The number three is from Archie Comics. Archie, number four, the all-new Mark Wade on writing. Annie Wu, guest artist. I tell you, Fiona, App, Fiona Apple, uh, Fiona Staples uh, doing art uh, is a reason I, I, I definitely signed on. Of course, Mark Wade, too, being an amazing writer. So when I saw that uh, Fiona was off this issue, I was almost tempted to say, well, three was okay. I think maybe it's time for me to bounce. But I took a 50-50, roll the dice, grabbed it anyway, and I'm so glad that I did. This, uh, and again, I don't have a lot of background in Archie, so these stories seem fresh to me because I don't have a, a lot of baggage with the Archie realm because I just haven't read so much. But this is this is addressing the lipstick incident which happened in issue number one that broke up Archie and Betty. And he's hanging out in a garage, Archie, and uh, with, uh, with um, his buddy... Uh, Jughead, <laughs> I almost forgot his name. They're, you know, doing their band thing, and he hand, tries to hand him a goo bar, a, a, a candy bar, goo bar, and it brings back, a, it, it sends him into a flashback. And he handles the lipstick incident and discusses it. So, in this, they're painted as they've, they grew up together, they're kind of more like brother and sister, but then it, it, it crosses over into something romantic. And it just shows their how their love grew, how their love blossomed, and it, it had me. It it they they do such a good the art. Uh, I have to say, Annie Wu does a great job of really painting the emotions and the faces, and and you're in. You're buying this romantic romp into their origin story of their love, and they make points to say that they don't want anything to change, and there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of montageness going on, which is fun. In their in their early dating life and so these girls uh, so she gets like all this candy bar all over her Betty does goes to a public restroom where these other high school girls are making fun of her how she's just kind of a tomboy and a slob and uh, she feels pressure of that to dusty herself up and wear a red dress and put on this heavy red lipstick and Archie's like, wait, we just kind of discussed that we don't want things to change, and why are you getting all supermodeled up? And it's crazy how you would kind of think that maybe he would enjoy that, and it would be different, but Archie did not like it at all. From the facial expression, it creates this absolutely awkward date, and they go to see a movie, and he's just sad by her wanting to conform to the rest of the, the teenage girls, which Archie wasn't, he didn't care about. So, great job of, of playing upon that emotion. It's complex here. And they have a fight, and she, uh, in the street, kind of slap swipes, like, lipstick onto his face. And there you go, hashtag <laughs> lipstick incident revealed. But, yeah, just kind of, it, it, it was sad. It was a little bit... Of a you know of a bummer as to why that now you're you're like I'm I'm in the camp of man they, they these two got to get back together somehow, it it seems they've done a really good job of immersing you into this and now you're you're invested and you want to see Archie and Betty get back together which is crazy, but they introduce someone that is in the mix there that maybe uh, is Team Veronica I don't know, and then they even go with a story from original Archie that ties in so perfectly well. Almost exactly relating to how they, the inspiration that came up with this modern telling of Archie. And 
you know, it's got to be 50 years old and it ties in so well. So well done. And I'm in and I'll keep going from now when I was maybe about to bounce out of it. But well done. Way to keep me, way to keep it on the pull list, Archie Comics. So that's why it's the number three. And number two from a Marvel Comics, Groot, number six from Loveness and Kessinger. Uh, Brian Kessinger's art here is so much fun. It's very much in the the vein of uh, Scott. Uh, what's his name? Um, Scotty Young. It's it's fun. It's comic book e style, cartoony style, and Groot and Rocket make it to Earth, and they they almost immediately run Spider Man over. So <laughs> you know you're off to a good start. And they have a checklist of things that uh, was given to them that they should check out when they're on Earth, and. Star-Lord's Star music was one of them, and they, they were like, as they're in this concert, Groot and Rocket, he likes the worst Flarkin music. Can humans even get this old? <laughs> so it's like a ode to the 70s rock that they're, um, that they're so famously um, doing well into reviving, and uh, it makes fun of that. And then the villain fight, they reach this guy named the Clam, and oh my gosh, I, I, I just, I laughed hysterically at this picture of this villain named the clan, the clam. And they're like, let's find someone else. And his line, the clams is, soon I shall bathe in the chowder of your blood. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. And they get into a villain fight that's they, on the checklist. They just keep going over little bits of it. And even the villains on Earth, they're like, this is the villains on Earth? One of which is Scorpion from the Spider-Man series. I just laugh how they laugh at the villains on earth because at the cosmic level they're used to dealing with much tougher enemies and then of course they on the list they're party with the x-men so there's just a splash page of them just hanging out with the x-men rockets looking at a, a red cup strangely and they're just uh having a good old time and then he wants uh he wants rogue no gene gray uh Groot reaches out telepathically. Okay, so maybe we didn't know that. And he's full on just talking. So they get, they wrote, I think, a way into making it interesting to where they could make Groot fully speak. I think that they pulled that off well. Let's find Jean Grey and they can use Groot's thoughts. And she even says that even his thoughts are very complicated. There's a lot of them. So maybe his alien brain even thinks different. I thought that's kind of nicely written. And Jean Grey, uh, then they have a conversation to where... She, he needs her help to locate someone that he met a long, long, long time ago on his planet with his people. And they show the Groots as oppressive aliens that scour the earth to take over. And even the there's a page that is very reminiscent of the first appearance of Groot, where he's on earth in the 40s or 50s, and, and this Groot-like being is, uh, yeah, wanting to take over and stomp through the streets. And they're much bigger than than our Groot. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting in the scale of all of the others from Groot's planet. And he finds that they're going to experiment on this little girl who looks very much like Lilo from the Disney movie, Lilo and Stitch. And they have her in like a, like a test tube ready to be tested. And, and our Groot says, no, that can't happen. And awakens her produces the flower out of his hand, saves her. And at the very, very end, I'll skip ahead a little bit because he ultimately helps her escape, and she does escape. And he wants to see her again because he believes that's she's very important 
to what has really made him what he is. So I thought some great character development here. They do a great job of of taking Groot and and adding great personality and depth into his character. So well done. And ultimately, they show uh, when she lands on Earth, when he helps her escape. She plants a tree, and she has a family, and then she gets really old in this one page that uh, shows a you know a timeline from her youth to being much older, and then Groot finally does find her, and when they're sitting, I already posted this on Instagram, the very last page, uh, they're sitting, and he says something quite uh, just poetic, and it really uh, hit me emotionally, and it's... It's a beautiful, I won't even, I won't spoil it, but I'll, I, I posted it already on Instagram, so check it out if you haven't seen it, at Sunspots Comics, but the last page is beautiful, and uh, again, Heartstrings plays the old Heartstrings. But now, the, uh, the number one comic book pick, my favorite, for New Comic Book Day, November, November 25th, was Saga, from Image Comics, number 31, and... What I initially like is that this really does establish who the main character of this comic book is, which is Hazel, the daughter. Uh, she is uh, growing in age. They're, they're skipping a little in time. She, it looks like she's uh, four years old. Um, and they have a moment where she's in this classroom, and they're drawing pictures, and she draws a very strange picture. They're supposed to, looks like, sort of talk about the war between her mother and father's species. And she just veers off of that, probably to kind of protect herself as to how she's been trained to make sure she doesn't reveal her, 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 what she is, that she's, you know, half alien from these warring, you know, these warring planets. And the teacher is kind of this locust looking thing, which is, the art in this is ridiculous. Fiona Staples, gorgeous. So the teacher's kind of a hippie lotus alien uh, with these crazy legs and like a, like a praying mantis. A yellow praying mantis. And she takes out this book or an album. You don't quite know if it's a book or album. That reminds Hazel of her parents. And she starts to kind of cry. And then you are you kind of go back to our current time. Which is the grandmother is in this tussle. They're trying to steal Hazel. And she's younger. And they are captured. The grandmother decapitates this, uh, this alien that's trying to get Hazel. Right in front of Hazel. So she witnesses some, some, a gruesome beheading. And you're like, wow, that's a lot for a little... She was maybe not even one or two at that time. Does she know what she's seeing? Oh, she could walk, so she's probably something like two-ish. As the grandmother dispatches this alien, just wipes its head right out with this, like, glowing scepter of some sort. And then they kind of quickly jump to where, from that moment in that, 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 uh, that fight that the grandmother was involved in, are taken to an alien prison. And it kind of has this... Uh, I, I tell you, Brian K. Vaughn must like Orange is the New Black, because it just has that that feeling uh, of this alien prison in the in the purple jumpsuits. And now she's four years old, and you flip forward into when she is a kid and that teacher. And so she decides to reveal herself to this teacher, and when that she has the wings and she's of a particular alien race or a, an amalgam, or a, a, a sort of half and half of both of both races thinking that this teacher was a hip or cool or would accept her for who she is. Well, the teacher faints, hits her head on a table, and is unconscious in a pool of blood. So you're like, wow. Uh, I didn't see that coming. You thought, wow, this teacher was really open-minded, and they seem to be having a moment. The teacher uh, 
you know, praying mantis orange alien thing. Uh, even gave her like a little birthday cake with a four on it. So they were having a moment. Yet when she, when Hazel reveals herself that her parents are, you know, from both sides of this war, uh, even the teacher can't handle it and passes out. And boom! You're like, wow. Just great writing. I mean, constantly writing surprise elements in the last pages. Uh, definitely have that, um, you gotta tune in next week. Oh my gosh. I wish it was next week, but we have to wait a month. But Saga is so good. If you already haven't got it, pick it up in collection. I think we're a few volumes in now, being that we're 31. I can't believe it. It's consistently always really good. This one was just better than the last few episodes, so check out Saga number 31. Fiona Staples, Brian K. Vaughn. So that's going to wrap up our show. That's going to do it. I hope you enjoyed it. Pick up those comic books, all six of them, at a local comic book shop. Support them. Buy it on paper. It's so much better on paper than digital. I tried some digital comics over the weekend. Still not a fan. Even though there was like a bunch of Black Friday sales and 99 cents I don't know. Just reading it digitally just doesn't do it for me continually. Until they figure out a way to, I don't know, change the technology or do something. I don't know. But anyway, those uh, please check out sunspotscomics.com. You can click on top comic book picks of the week to see all of my past uh, picks from all the way back in May of this year. And uh, even the pull list. Click on Go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on pull list. You'll see all of the comic books that I've collectively read since May and and you'll see the whole list there so thank you very much for listening i hope you had a good time and of course uh don't leave home without maybe vader someday later now he's just a small fry he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye saying soon i'm gonna be a jedi my name is anakin Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi I got my laser sword I'm gonna slash your face Bye bye This here Anakin guy Maybe Vader Someday later Now he's just a small fry He left his home And kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi The dark side Yeah